Hey everyone, um, for those of you who don't know me, um, I am Larissa Lamb and I am a former CFO turned music artist, um, music composer, uh, also TV radio host who is also now a documentary filmmaker. So yes, I've worn a lot of hats in my lifetime. Um, and I also host a, a podcast called Love, Discovery, and Dim Sum alongside my husband, Baldwin Chu, aka Only One. Um, people sometimes call us the Asian Jay-Z and Beyonce because he's a rapper and I am a singer. Uh, I'm also the host of a youth talk show called You Talk Radio. We are an advice show that gives advice to teens and young adults uh, about all sorts of things, um, from mental health to issues about relationships. Um, and so for me, most of my platforms that I've been involved with, um, I previously had also hosted for nine years uh, a television talk show for a faith-based network called um, JCTV, also known as Juice TV. Um, and, and most of what I, I try to do with everything is whether it's the music, whether it's the TV, whether it's the, the podcast or our films, is really to tell stories that empower people. And so that's kind of one of the themes of, of what we're going to be talking about today is um, how we can tell stories um, and diverse stories to really change the world. And I know that's kind of a big, big thing to, to throw out there to everyone, but I know a lot of people that are, are, are on this call right now are, are Already, you know, doing things with stories that are changing. And so hopefully um, we can have a really productive conversation. Um, just to give a little intro into the, a little more into the intro onto the topic, um, you know, lately I feel like there has been a lot of fears because of coronavirus, um, because it's really something that has taken everybody by surprise. Um, I mean, I see some faces on here. Like I just saw Jerry, who's on here just like two and a half weeks ago. Can you believe that it was two and a half weeks ago? We did a world premiere screening of my, my new film, Far East, Deep South, um, up in San Jose. And already people were giving the warnings about coronavirus. But, you know, at the same time, everybody was still out and about. And we're like, oh, yeah, it's not a big deal. And then here we are two and a half weeks later. And we're sitting here virtually with everyone, um, only going to grocery stores at this point. Um, and so the world has drastically changed. And I think with that change, um, there has become, on one, on one hand, some people are like, yeah, it's great to have all this time at home with my kids. At the same time, some people are like me. It's like, it's, oh my gosh, driving me crazy that I'm home with my kids. Um, or you're just starting to feel a lot of anxiety. Um, you're really discouraged. Uh, people's lives have been crushed in a lot of ways. Uh, I was telling the story the other day, one of my girlfriends just got married and she had to do her father-daughter dance at home. Um, and I had to watch it on YouTube and it was, it was, it was, it was beautiful, but yet sad at the same time. So it's, it's understandable why people who have, who are fear or maybe who are, have a lot of anger might be lashing out at maybe the wrong people or in the, in the wrong ways. So what we want to do is make sure that people are channeling their energy in a positive fashion. Um, being Asian American, um, that's one of the issues that I have seen from our community is there's been rising hostility to the Asian American community because a lot of us are getting mistaken for being quote unquote Chinese. Yes, I'm Chinese ethnically, but I was born here. I'm not a citizen of China. I didn't cause the coronavirus. I don't have the coronavirus as of now. Um, and so um, there's been a lot of rising hate in that regards. And what's troubling to me is that part of the problem is we have to go to the root is that people don't know our stories. 
you know? And that's why I think it's important to, to hear diverse stories, you know, not just Asian ones, but people from uh, different backgrounds, because I think the more we understand each other, the, the more we are gonna be able to reduce hate and reduce some of these issues. But, you know, beyond this, uh, you know, this is obviously just happening now, you know, we're gonna have a world, I'm very optimistic. I mean, even, you know, China's starting to turn things around with, with COVID-19. So I'm very optimistic in several months that hopefully we'll get to see each other in person again um, and have regular interactions and people will get to go back to work. And so the question is, what kind of world do we want to live in after this is over? And how all of us can collectively share our stories to make this world a better place. Now, a little bit more background on my film. I know some of you out there have seen um, I, my short film, Finding Cleveland. Um, and that is about my husband, Baldwin Chu's family story. He's Chinese American. And he basically didn't know who his grandfather was growing up because his, his dad never talked about it. Um, you know, long story short, we went to Mississippi five years ago um, and we ended up visiting the grave site of his great grandfather and grandfather and then ended up uncovering the lost history, a little known history, it was, it was lost for his family, of the early Chinese in Mississippi. Um, and it wasn't just I literally thought we were going to find one Chinese, two Chinese men buried in Mississippi, and there was a whole population of them that had been there um, through segregation um, right after slavery was abolished. Um, Chinese were being recruited in. And also, uh, there were a lot of Chinese that owned grocery stores in Black neighborhoods because they were also subject to the same Jim Crow laws. They were not allowed in white schools. They were uh, not allowed to live in the white neighborhoods. And there was this amazing relationship between the Black community and the the, the Chinese community that most people never heard of. Um, and so um, we did the short film kind of sharing the story and the revelations that did very well. And now we just made a new film called Far East Deep South that I alluded to earlier, um, which <laughs> got shut down because of coronavirus. We were supposed to debut at a, a bunch of film festivals. Um, but more importantly, it hasn't stopped me for telling that story, but really that's what propelled me into this, this storytelling space. I mean, my background is a recording artist as well. Um, and so I tell stories with songs all the time. And so oh, Anitra's like, I'm from Mississippi. Yes, we should talk more. And you should definitely see my film. <laughs> and you can watch our trailer on our website, um, fareastdeepsouth.com. And, you know, this story uh, is only just one. You know, I think all of you out there have a different story, a diverse story um, that needs to be told. And you know other stories that haven't been told that need to be told. Um, and one of the things that I realized as we traveled around the country, we did over a hundred screenings across the country. Many of you attended those screenings in different cities. And the thing that I realized is one, people didn't know about the Chinese in Mississippi. Two, they didn't know that there was something called the Chinese Exclusion Act. I think a lot of you do know about that. Some of you may not, um, which was in 1882 that basically banned the Chinese from coming into um, this country. And so as immigration has been in, in the news a lot lately as well, you know, we have to go all the way back to 1882 where we saw there was some very restrictive discriminatory practices where the Chinese were discriminated against um, because of their race and the, them stealing jobs from people. 
And so there's all this history that a lot of people didn't know. And then the third thing I realized was that most people view Asians as perpetual foreigners and not necessarily Americans. In other words, you see someone Asian, um, a lot of times you just automatically think they're from another country, as opposed to say you see someone white or you see someone black, you don't automatically think, oh, they must be from Sweden. Oh, they must be from Nigeria. You know, you think, oh, they're American if they're living in the US. But with someone Asian, we have this misperception that like, oh, everyone that looks Asian, oh, they must be from another country. When the reality is there's a lot of us that were born here. And so I really saw these areas as things that I wanted to change. I wanted to change how history was told. I wanted to change the awareness that more people knew about this history. Um, and I wanted to, to help people reshape their perception of what it meant to be an American. And so that's why I set out to make a documentary story and, and why I wanted more people to see it and not just kind of rest on my laurels of just like, okay, we had like 5,000 people see it, see it, yay. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk through a lot of that a little bit more. And a lot of it too came from my own personal background of I grew up wanting to be blonde hair and blue eyed, okay? Because all I saw in media was that was the, the model of, of beauty. And also in school, I grew up in a, at the time, predominantly, you know, um, Caucasian neighborhood. Um, I was one of the only Asian kids, oddly enough. I grew up in Diamond Bar. If you know Diamond Bar now, it's like majority Asian. <laughs> so things have changed. But growing up, I was in the minority. And so all the popular kids were all white. And so that's what I aspired to become. And I actually rejected my culture quite a bit. And so that's why it's so important for me to want to tell these stories now is because I want not to say that Asians are the best. No, that's not, not, not to diminish anyone else's story. But I want people to know that, and, and, and my daughter, who's six years old, I want her to have an understanding of her dual heritage of being both Chinese and both American. And if anything, she is now you know, sixth generation in America. Slight spoiler alert, our new film actually uncovers how we discovered all that. Um, and so identity does matter, whether you're Asian, you're Latinx, you're Native American, you're, you might be mixed race, you know, you might be a mutt, you know, of all sorts of races, like identity does matter and how we see ourselves and how we see ourselves portrayed um, in other stories really shapes how we feel about ourselves. I um, mean, it's not limited ethnicity regionally. I mean, the way we tell stories um, in California is different than how stories are told in Mississippi. And there's stories that need to be told about all those different regions, people with disabilities, different socioeconomics. So I don't want to even limit it to this, this discussion about just race, even politics. We have a very polarizing country at this juncture, but there's so many people that are in between that I really believe that there are more people, more of us have more in common than we think. And so it's finding all those areas and shades of great because sometimes we feel like the loudest people they get their stories heard when in reality there's so many other stories that need to be told and collectively our stories matter because they make up history you can't spell history without story right and so we have to remember our individual stories make up our history so what is the history that we want to tell for future generations that's why it's important for us to tell these stories Okay, so now I'm going to get into something about how not to tell your story if you want to make change. Okay, so these are some helpful tips that um, some may seem obvious, but if you so if you want to get attention to certain things, um, you, you, you may try these tips of what not to do, but I'm going to give you these tips because I want you to make change. For instance, don't be angry. Okay, don't tell your stories angry. All right, this is a great way for people not to hear your story and want to change anything. All right. 
you guys, a lot of you are on social media. I've been spending a lot of time on Twitter lately and I've been battling a lot of people on Twitter lately. And I see so much anger and even on Facebook, um, social media has just been this haven for hate and anger and frustration. Now I'm not, anger can motivate you, but it shouldn't be the way you convey your message, okay? Because when's the last time somebody was mad at you and tried to convince you of something and you're like, oh, wow, thanks for yelling at me. I totally am taking your side now. Not very effective, okay? Also, don't be condescending. Don't diminish, diminish others. Um, my pastor always says, he says, don't spend so much time tearing others down, but spend more time building others up. And in this way, I think in getting our stories out, we have to keep that mentality. Also, don't just preach to the choir. A lot of times we're trying to get our message and we're trying to get our story out, but we're, we're already telling the story to people who want to hear it. That's not affecting change. If you really want to make change, you have to go beyond your choir. You know, you have to go beyond the audience that is that you're just feeding, you know, yes, man. Oh, that's great. Um, when we did our film Far East East South, our new documentary, which expands the story of my husband's family and the, and the, and the Chinese families in Mississippi, as well as the impact of the Chinese Exclusion Act, on his family um, and really what it means to be American, we were very, very mindful of trying to expand our story to include um, people that were white, people that were African-American and, and how they felt about the Chinese too. And really our stories are weaved around each other. Now that's not to say we can't tell stories from one point of view. Um, we need all these types of stories, but um, for us, it was very mindful for that we weren't just preaching to the choir. We weren't just preaching to Chinese because that's the one thing I really got annoyed with me is, oh, it's just the Chinese story. It's only for a Chinese audience. We're like, no, everybody needs to hear this. It's an American story. Um, so as you're telling your stories, keep that in mind. And then, you know, lastly, don't dismiss constructive criticism. I think to be good storytellers and effective storytellers to change the world, we have to be willing to, to hear feedback. You know, maybe you're not making the change you want with your stories because something's not quite right. You know, it's not resonating. Maybe you are too angry or maybe you are doing something that is insulting to somebody um, that you didn't realize. So please be open to that feedback. Oh, wait, am I still on? Okay, can you guys still see me? Yes, I think, I think the screen. Hey Lee, I just see like uh, the Zoom screen right now. <laughs> so um, can you guys see me? Thumbs up. Yes. yes, we can see you. Okay, great. I'll keep going then. Um, so those are things not to do. Okay, so things you should do. All right. Tell your story from a place of love and not hate. If you really want to change people's minds, you have to change hearts first. Okay. Now telling story, I want you to tell stories like you care about the person that you want to hear it. And I know this is very, very, very hard. If somebody is spewing hate at you. I've been engaging in a lot of interesting Twitter conversations and debates lately because of all the racism against Asians. Um, I also had tweeted this, this poster of, of Mulan that got defaced. And um, I ended up in some very, very interesting conversations where people are like, Asians, you're just always complaining about racism and there's nothing bad that ever happens to you. And I'm like, okay, what's going on? Um, and so, um, that's a whole nother conversation, but, but the main point of that is, is like, instead of fighting back with hate, that's like, I, I really had to ed start educating people. It's like, you know what? Um, these things are happening. I hope you can agree. Finding, you know, this is one of my other points is one, don't fight hate with hate and two, find common ground. So 
one of the common grounds was like, okay, if you don't think like, like violent, like you don't think it's a racist thing to be violent against Asians, do you, would you agree that it is bad to be violent? Yes. Okay. And then it's like, well, I wish you well, I wish you health during this time. Um, because don't wish them like, I wish you had coronavirus. Okay. We don't want you going around spewing that hate. Okay. And it's, it's amazing how many times I've actually had people like thank me, even though they said something terrible to me, like right before, whether it's on Facebook or Twitter. And I've had actually people like maybe think a little bit like, oh, maybe the next comment they made was not so hateful. So these are little things that we can even affect in, in storytelling. Sometimes it's in 140 characters. You can't do a whole lot, but even being, being kind in that way, you're not going to get your point across if, if you're equally as hateful as the person coming at you. <laughs> Um, it's also important to make allies. Same, same thing. Befriend others who can help tell you the story. Um, you can befriend other people who are doing similar things and telling similar stories. At the same time, you can also try to convert people who may not understand your story. And if they do, can, do start to understand your story or start to take up your cause, they become a very powerful ally because now they're going to have this testimony like, I had no idea this was happening to Asian Americans. And now that I do, I really want to tell other people about what's happening you know i had i had one white lady like stand up i think maybe if she's still on here um we did a screening in, of our film finding cleveland in connecticut and she stood up and she was like i had no idea the exclusion had happened this happened in this country how could this happen and so hopefully that person is now an ally she had no idea that chinese were excluded from um so many things and discriminated against for all these years in this country and so that she is now can become an ally so she can tell other people in her networks that maybe again isn't within our networks to help affect change um and that's what's really important is make friends don't make enemies when you're trying to tell stories you can't change the world with enemies you can only change the world with friends um the other thing is let's help others tell their stories. So rather than just always wanting just to push our story, our story, I love what Lee's doing. And again, I thank Lee Lin for putting this together and all the different speakers that we have for this virtual um, summit that we've been, have been going on. And um, so many diverse speakers. I mean, I really love the diversity that we've had with our speakers and they all come from different backgrounds. And so I think it's important for us to create platforms like this. Um, you know, I see different friends on here, my friend Christian Oh, he's, he's uh, puts on a film festival and so many other events to help other people tell their stories uh, in, in a diverse way. Um, and there, these are things we want to do as, as people is to create these platforms. Um, I was part, I'm going to do a little show and tell. Oh, by the way, um, let's see here. Um, this was a book I was a part of. I was a contributing author called Kimchi for Life. Um, it was a series that was kind of an answer to chicken soup for the soul, if any of you guys read those books. So this was like the Asian version, Kimchi for Life. I was also part of Miso for Life. There was another edition that was Pho for Life. And so they were, somebody, a friend of mine saw a need where there was not a lot of these like family, um, you know, comfort food stories that were being told from an Asian American point of view. And so he decided to publish all these stories and, and, and publish a book and put that out. And so if you see a need, if you see an area where there's a void, you know, think of ways of how you can get people's stories out there that haven't been, you know, out yet before. And also telling our stories, another thing you should do is make sure that you know this is a two-way street. As you're telling your story, listen to other people's stories um, too and be open to listening. Um, because a lot of times, again, people don't, may not wanna hear your story um, if you're not willing to listen to theirs. Okay, 
I know. Wow, time is going by fast. Okay, so I'm going to move into how we can actually change the world. Here are things, other things, practical things we can do and how we can bring our stories to the forefront. Um, we need to be involved in civic engagement and public policy. And in a very, very practical way, um, if there's something that you feel needs to change in the world, meet with your government officials, telling stories. Um, I've done some advocacy work with um, the, Grammy, the Grammys, the Recording Academy, um, advocating for musicians and copyrights. I've also done some advocacy work for um, NAMI, the North American, um, sorry, um, National Association for Mental, uh, Mental Health, okay? And they, um, you know, I've done advocacy in Sacramento and California, um, if in regards to that, um, meeting with our Congress people, whether it's local or federal, um, the most effective thing, if you ask people that are serving in Congress, you are the constituents, is when you tell your, you sit in their office and you tell your story of how it has personally influenced, affected you and why a certain bill or something needs to happen. That is the most effective way to um, try to affect change is really telling your stories. Petitions are great and protests are, you know, obviously out there, but the most effective way is really telling personal stories. Um, going to school board meetings, showing up at city halls. I'll give you a tip. I, I served on um, a committee at, for the city of Los Angeles um, during uh, Mary Viragosa's term, and we would, we would be at city hall all the time for different meetings, and rarely think of Los Angeles how large it is very few people actually show up to the public forum at the city hall unless there's some big issue on the block but you'd be surprised you could walk into anybody can walk into a city hall meeting at any city and have an open forum or you know even scheduling time so tell your stories again don't be angry <laughs> tell your stories in a loving manner in hopes that people can change their mind Okay, the other area, education, um, the school system, that's where a lot of our work is being done with our films. And just to kind of throw up another visual aid, this is our card, Far East Deep South, with our new film. And um, I'll, I'll give you guys the websites at the very end as well. But um, we're really trying to change the way history is taught um, so that it is more inclusive of the Asian American experience. And for us, all small, our small part is we already learned about segregation. We learn about the American South. So what we really want to do is to have curriculum include mentions that, you know, segregation not just impacted the black community, but it also impacted Asian community, Native American community, and other people of color. And so that people know it's not just a, a black and white issue, that it's really an issue that affected everyone. And I've had so many teachers come up to me after I've given my presentations and go, we have a lot of students uh, who are of Asian descent. And a lot of times they tune out when we talk about segregation because they can't relate to it. And so our kids are, are not even paying attention because they don't think they're in the story. So that's why representation matters. That's why telling a, a diverse stories matters because people will remember it more if they see themselves in those stories. Um, we're trying to work with school districts. Um, we're trying to get our film into schools. Um, we are already making an impact with even our short film of being able to change curriculum where a professor at Northwestern uh, Missouri State University, he is a he's a PhD in history and he didn't even know about the Chinese in Mississippi after he saw his film. He is now including uh, the story of the Chinese in the South every single semester for his US history class. So change can happen, you know, it happens a little by little, but it definitely can happen. Um, another, another thing that, you know, we were doing is we showed it at the US part, Department of Education just last year, our, our short film. You know, we were trying to go at the highest levels, but even on the local level, um, for Black History Month this year at, at my daughter's school, um, 
one of the parents suggested, hey, let's decorate all the doors with different African-American figures and tell their stories so that every classroom has a different door telling a different figure story. And I thought that was like a beautiful idea. And so sometimes if you don't see these stories happening in schools, especially those of you who are parents, you know, start to make those suggestions because we understand textbooks are very, very difficult to change. But some of these things that supplement, um, you know, textbooks, the what's happening inside and outside the classrooms, this is how we get our stories out. Ooh, time is flying. Okay. Few of the last areas that I want to mention. Um, media, you know, obviously news, doing interviews, um, film, TV, books, blogging, speaking, YouTube, podcasts, um, social media. Um, all those areas are ways you can get your story out. Here's one that I'm gonna leave with you that you may not have thought of, museums. Museums are really important because what I often see is that um, a lot of underrepresented stories are not in museums. And a lot of people go there and they take that, that's a history or that's representation of culture. And so be very active and proactive in getting your stories in. For instance, my husband's um, great-grandfather's um, photo is up at the Railroad Museum in California and Sacramento as part of a larger display celebrating the contributions of Chinese immigrants and commemorating the 150th um, last year, Transcontinental railroad completion um, and I know there's a new exhibit at the California Museum as well with um, talking about Asians in America and so they're very very important at the Smithsonian um, you know I was part of their Smithsonian film forum and so we're gonna be showing our film eventually <laughs> when everything blows over Far East Deep South we're gonna head to DC hopefully and have a screening in, at, at Smithsonian but um, you know there's a lot that needs to be happened and by and large the American history exhibit there's a there was a great exhibit on J Japanese internment and incarceration but there's a lack of certain ethnic groups that are being told in US history and so museums are really 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 important um, for us to tell our stories. Okay, I know time is running short. Um, so I wanna make sure we leave a little time for questions. Um, the main points I wanna get across is hopefully that you understand is if we are not the ones who tell our stories, then no one will, or someone may tell it in a way we don't like. So it's very important for us to be the ones to take ownership and take the keys to, to actually tell the stories and empower other people to tell the stories. And remember, be authentic. Believe your story can make a difference, even if it's just one person who is affected by that change. Because even something, you know, very personal about how you might have gone through a hardship, how you might have overcome something can affect someone else's life. And you have no idea how that person's going to go and, and make a domino effect on so many other people. So this is why I'm so glad to see so many faces, you know, joining this conversation because each and every single one of you has a very important story. I know I've talked a lot, um, and those of you who know me know I can talk even more. Um, I wanna just give you a few references if you wanna follow follow me and follow some of the projects we're doing. Um, again, Far East Deep South, it's fareastdeepsouth.com. Um, you can watch the trailer to our film. You'll have to, you can subscribe to our, our mailing list to find out when our film is gonna be actually shown because of everything of COVID-19. Um, we are not able to show the film yet, um, but we may be making some clips available. Um, my husband and I um, also do a podcast called Love, Discovery, and Dim Sum. Um, it's podcast.loveanddiscovery.com. You can also subscribe to on Apple Podcasts. Um, one of the things we just did is our, our most recent podcast is we told the story of the difference between Chinese and Chinese Americans, because I know there was a lot of controversy around calling the virus the Chinese virus. And we, we started to kind of lay out why 
why some people had an issue with it and historically why there's <laughs> why there's an issue with distinct making not making a distinction between the Chinese and Chinese Americans. So, you know, feel free to listen to that podcast and get enlightened and learn a little bit about that history. Um, of course, follow me. You can also go to my music website, larisalam.com. Sometimes people forget that I actually sing, but <laughs> Um, because I've been doing all this advocacy work and all the speaking. Um, but we actually just, my husband and I just released a little video PSA about COVID-19 where we sing a cover of I Will Survive with my daughter telling our story um, through some little cue cards um, in a very small way to hopefully educate people about um, not discriminating against Asians. Um, and you can follow, follow me on social media, Twitter, at Larissa Lam and at Larissa Lam Music. Um, and I also host uh, my radio show, You Talk Radio, utalkradio.com. I know I juggle a lot of things and I know a lot of the speakers in our series all kind of juggle multiple things. So we're trying to tell our story and stories in many, many, many different ways. So thank you all for joining us. Um, I'll, I guess I can take a few questions. Feel free to type them into the chat room um, and Lee, help me out if anybody's already asked a question and I, and I need and, and thank you for Susie. Awesome. For yeah, up so okay, bye Christian. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I, I'm just looking at the Facebook chat. Somebody says you have kids, you look so young. Um, <laughs> thank you. All, yeah. um, I will say it's the internet. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, I don't know if there was other questions in the chat room. Let me just scroll up. I was just typing in questions. Telling your story is so cathartic and empowering while providing a lifeline for others. Amazing info. We must connect. Great. Somebody said they hardly mention anything about Asian Americans in U.S. history class when I was in high school. Really? Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think I we barely talked about the railroads and then that was about it. Uh, yeah, it's normally railroads and then it's like gold mines a little bit. And, <laughs> um, and, and so I think that's why it was so important for me to tell, tell our stories because I, you can't get more American in a sense than like the American South. And so when I found out there were Asians in the South, I was like, how come we don't know about this? Because I think it would totally reframe the way I saw myself as being more American and also how I think other people would perceive us. So um, there's so much power in perception and so much power in storytelling. Awesome. I learned so much. Thank you so much for just framing everything in a way that's easily understandable. Um, and just it, it also makes everything that's making uh, making sense now, you know, everything that's going on. So thank you so much. Appreciate yeah, and there's only and there's so many, you know, um, Chinese American and Filipino American and Japanese Americans that served in World War Two. And you know, we, there's all these other stories that people are kind of mentioning that that are not in our history books that are already again, integral in, in, in our on our already existing U.S. history um, that we just want to expand a little bit, so. For sure. Um, anybody have any questions? If not, you can head on over to our website, larislam.com. Um, and of course, watch the documentary. Somebody said, I saw Far East Deep South at Cinequest. I highly recommend it. Great. Um, yeah, the, she's she's part of a very elite class of people, and I, I, I know Jerry, who's on here, saw it too. Uh, <laughs> you guys probably feel really special now because <laughs> you were you were the first and last audience to ever see the film. <laughs> awesome. Well, hopefully, you know this is this is gonna you know be over before we know it. So I'm just really. Um, no, I'm I'm very hopeful that it is. Um, and if anything, it um, it's sad, but it's but we we actually feel like our it's it's more important now more than ever that we do have the story come out because there has been so much misperception about the Asian American community. Oh, I love DJ's background now. He is now in the Oval Office. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah. I do need to upgrade my OS so I can get these like really cool backgrounds. 
<laughs> well, um, anything else you want to share before we just shout out again how to contact you? Um, let's see. Do I have anything else to share? Um, I oh, just one more thing too that I forgot to mention as those of who who you know, um, one other area that oftentimes we don't think about too is libraries. Um, in addition to museums, a lot of libraries have speaker series, monthly speaker series. Um, that's a great way to tell your stories or to get your message out, whatever it happens to be. If you've written a book or even if you just have a, sometimes they have themed, you know, obviously it's, if it's Asian Pacific Heritage Month or Black History Month or women's, you know, this month is Women's History Month. I was invited by the Monterey Park Library um, last year to come and share um, for Women's History Month. So there's a lot of different opportunities, even a local level, um, that we can share our stories so that, you know, don't feel overwhelmed that like, oh my gosh, I'm not like some national speaker. Whether, you know, you decide to do it on your personal page on Facebook or even going into a, a local library or your, or your kid's school, um, I think, no outlet is too small for you to tell your story and to affect change. Yes, so true. Uh, oh yeah, I don't know if you, you said, like who do you work with now and then uh, who do you collaborate with? What, what's your next step and then how can we get in contact? Um, in terms of collaborating um, with- Or just in general, yeah. Who in you general, um, I work a lot with my husband. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, I do. I look for, uh, no, I work with him right now. Cause like, I can't work with anyone else. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we partner with, we partner with a lot of organizations. Um, many of them are listed on our, are, have been, you know, listed on our website and, um, we're open to partnering with more, you know, more organizations and more groups, um, with, with our film in particular, we we're partnered with a lot of, um, different Asian advocacy groups, historical societies, genealogy societies, a lot of universities, um, schools and churches as well. Um, we really um, feel like it's taken a, a huge team effort, uh, which is why we've been successful at getting kind of our message out. And, and still there's so many more people that don't know about our story. Yeah. Um, but we've, we've already seen a lot of change in the, this, the little amount of time we've done with this little, little story with our Finding Cleveland, our, our first film. And now with Far East Deep South, we have higher hopes and um, of reaching a larger audience. And so as soon as COVID-19 is over, <laughs> yeah. we hope to resume um, people actually seeing the film. You know, in the meantime, you know, we're talking all about it, um, but certainly want to partner with whoever, um, whether you're Asian or non-Asian. Um, one, one of our desires is to partner with more African-American groups as well, because especially with the new film, because we have African-Americans in our film talking about their experience in the South, especially as relates to interacting um, with the Asian American, um, we again, we feel like the understanding goes two ways. I, we feel like there's a lot of misunderstanding on the parts of the Asian community towards the African-American community and vice versa, the African-American community towards the Asian community. community. Uh, we know we can't solve racism with just one film, but we hope we can op open conversation and dialogue so that we can improve those relationships because historically there was actually a very strong relationship. And um, again, it's very complicated as to why um, there are tensions in certain neighborhoods and there's tensions between certain groups. Nowadays, um, with every Every bit of history, it's complicated. And so our push is so that more people understand US history and eventually to world history because world history is also impacting the way we perceive um, a lot of people in this country. Yeah, so true. Amen. Awesome. So yeah, thank you so much for this great conversation. Very needed, very timely. Um, and uh, the replay will be up on YouTube soon. 
Thank you. Thank, every, thank you, everyone, for joining us. And um, for those of you who are all around the country, I wish you well. God bless you all. And please be safe. And I hope to see everybody in person again very, 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 very soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I talk to everyone soon. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.